This morning in the Gospel Project, we are in the book of Ruth, and so I thought, let's read it together. And so we have four mothers uh, this morning who are going to read the book of Ruth for us. Uh, So you do not need to stand for the whole thing. You can stay where you are. Uh, I don't believe it's on the screen, which is intentional. Uh, Also, I think there will be different versions of the scripture. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, So feel free if you want to follow along in your Bible, but also just feel free to listen to the story, this amazing story. And uh, once we're finished, I have a few thoughts and uh, we'll wrap up this morning. So reading Ruth, uh, I believe Courtney, you're first, so come on up. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem, Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilian. (laughs) Sorry, he's heavy. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech... Naomi's husband died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Kilian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who would become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this they wept aloud. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn my back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May, your Lord, sorry, may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, even if death separates you from me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi. She told them, call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. 
I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth, the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as as the barley harvest was beginning. Chapter 2. Now there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. One day Ruth said to Naomi, let me go out into the fields to gather leftover grain behind anyone who will let me do it. And Naomi said, all right, my daughter, go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. And as it happened, she found herself working in the field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. While she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. The Lord bless you, the harvesters replied. Then Boaz asked his foreman, who is that girl over there? And the foreman replied, she is the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She has been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes' rest over in there in the shelter. Boaz went over and said to Ruth, Listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go into any other's fields. Stay right behind the women working in my field. See which part of the field they are harvesting, and then follow them. I have warned the young man not to bother you. <coughs> and when you are thirsty, <coughs> excuse me, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. <coughs> Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. Why are you being so kind to me, she asked. I am only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied, but I also know about the love and the kindness you have shown your mother-in-law. <coughs> Since the death of your husband, I have heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully. I hope I continue to please you, sir, she replied. You have comforted me by speaking so kindly to me, even though I am not not as worthy as your workers. lunchtime, Boaz called to her, come here and help yourself to some of our food. You can dip your bread in the wine if you like. So she sat with his harvesters and Boaz gave her food more than she could eat. When Ruth went back to work again, Boaz ordered his young men, let her gather grain right among the sheaves without stopping her and pull out some heads of barley from the bundles and drop them on purpose for her. Let her pick them up and don't give her a hard time. So Ruth gathered barley there all day, and when she beat out the grain that evening, it came to about half a bushel. She emptied it back into t- she carried it back into town and showed it to her mother-in-law, Ruth. Ruth also gave her food that was Yeah, Ruth also gave her the food that was left over from her lunch. So much, Naomi exclaimed, where did you gather all this grain to do? Where did you work? May the Lord bless the one who helped you. 
So Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man whose field she had worked, and she said, The man I worked with to do is named Boaz. May the Lord bless him, Naomi told her daughter-in-law. He is showing his kindness to us as well as to your dead husband. That man is one of our closest relatives, one of our family redeemers. Then Ruth said, What's more, Boaz even told me to come back and stay with his harvest, harvesters until the entire harvest is completed. This is wonderful, Naomi exclaimed. Do as he said. Stay with her, his workers right through the whole harvest. You will be safe there, unlike in other fields. So Ruth worked alongside the women in Boaz's fields and gathered grain with them until the end of the harvest, barley harvest. Then she worked with them through the wheat harvest, too. But all the while, she lived with her mother-in-law. One day, Naomi said to Ruth, My daughter, it is time that I found a permanent home for you, so that you will be provided for. Boaz is a close relative of ours, and he's been very kind by letting you gather together grain with his young women. Tonight, he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now do as I tell you. Take a bath and put on perfume and dress in your nicest clothes, and then go to the threshing floor, but don't let Boaz see you until he has finished eating and drinking. Be sure to notice where he lies down, and then go and uncover his feet and lie down there. He will tell you what to do. I will do everything you say, Ruth replied. So she went down to the threshing floor that night and followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. After Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he lay down at the far end of the pile of grain and went to sleep. Then Ruth came quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over. He was surprised to find a woman laying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant Ruth, she replied. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz exclaimed. You are showing me even more family loyalty now than you did before, for you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. Now don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary, for everyone in town knows you are a virtuous woman. But while it is true that I am one of your family redeemers, there is another man who is more closely related to you than I am. Stay here tonight. And in the morning, I will talk to him. If he is willing to redeem you very well, let him marry you. But if he is not willing, then surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you myself. Now lie down here until morning. So Ruth lay at Boaz's feet until the morning, but she got up before it was late enough for people to recognize each other. For Boaz had said, no one must know that a woman was here at the threshing floor. Then Boaz said to her, Bring your cloak and spread it out. He measured six scoops of barley into the cloak and placed it on her back. Then he returned to the town. <clears throat> when Ruth went back to her mother-in-law, Naomi, Naomi asked, What happened, my daughter? Ruth told Naomi everything Boaz had done for her. And she added, He gave me these six scoops of barley and said, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said to her, Just be patient, my daughter. Until we hear what happens, the man won't rest until he's settled things today. Chapter 4 Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat there. 
When the kinsman redeemer he had mentioned came along, Boaz said, Come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, Sit here, and they did so. Then he said to the kinsman redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling this piece of land that it belonged to our brother Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the land from Naomi and from Ruth the Moabites, you acquired the dead man's widow in order to maintain the name of the dead with this property. At this, the kinsman redeemer said, Then I cannot redeem it, because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Now in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the kinsman redeemer said to Boaz, Buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malon. I have also acquired Ruth, the Moabites, Malon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from the town records. Today you are witnesses. Then the elders and all those at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home, like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you have standing in Euphrata and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. Then he went to her, and the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The woman said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap, and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. This, then, is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminadab, Aminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, Boaz the father of Obed, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David. Thanks be to God. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this amazing story that we can learn from. Uh, Lord, we thank you that you are good to us and you speak to us. Uh, so continue to speak to us now, Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So every week, the preacher makes a journey. He starts out on Monday with the Bible on his, on his desk, a Word document on the computer, and that blinking cursor on the screen just taunting him. He closes his eyes and he prays. He prays that God will reveal to him what needs to be said for whoever shows up on the coming Sunday. He prays for his congregation, some of them by name. 
He opens his eyes, and like an artist before a blank canvas, he starts to create order from chaos. He starts to create with the help of the Holy Spirit. He puts things in their proper place. He prints the message. He walks into the sanctuary. He looks at the people who he loves sitting before him, and he begins to attempt to part the waters that surround us all. The waters of stress, of busyness, job loss, marital issues, death, sickness, and gas prices. For 20 to 40 minutes, he attempts to hold the waters swirling all around us back so we may all hear a blessing from the Lord, a blessing that will hopefully help encourage us to enter another week. The sermon finishes and the preacher shakes hands and visits with people who are hurting and broken. The waters start coming back and eventually the building is empty. The preacher sits in the sanctuary, takes a deep breath, prays, and goes back to his office to start the journey once more. He knows that in the writing and the delivery of the sermon, there is order, there is hope, and there is redemption. And he also knows that outside of that time alone in the scriptures and that time with the congregation, that there is tragedy and there's chaos and there is uncertainty. There are people looking and wondering if their story and their lives have any meaning at all. In the days we live in, it's easy to see everyone around us as great success stories with no real problems. It's easy to think that our lives won't matter much unless we achieve some great fame or accomplishment. It's hard to see how our lives matter in the grand story God has been weaving for thousands of years. To wonder if any of us really have any part to play in the covenant and the kingdom. How could the life that I am living right now really have any meaning at all in God's grand narrative? If any of us feels this way today, we can thank God that the book of Ruth is included in the Old Testament. It is maybe one of the only books in the Old Testament, outside of perhaps Esther, that has no big flashy miracles. There is no sea being parted. There is no trumpet blast with crashing walls. And there is no freakishly strong man tearing up lions. There are a couple of widows and a farmer. Have you ever felt like your life is hard and mundane? Certainly Naomi and Ruth did. Was God at work in their story? Absolutely. Even if you don't know it or can't see it, God is on the move in your life and in your story. Even if it's hard right now and you can't see through the fog and the waves are crashing against you, keep your direction set right onto Jesus and you will come out on the other side. Isn't it interesting? There's so much in this book that we can, we can go into, but isn't it interesting that Ruth just happened to be at the right field on the right day to find Boaz, who helped continue the family line all the way to Jesus. If you notice, the very last part of the book of Ruth is just this real like, hey, by the way, this is the, the path of the Davidic kingdom, the path to Jesus. God loves working in the mundane. It's not always talking donkeys and, and prophets that are being eaten by whales. In the chaos, Naomi and Ruth needed each other to see God. And they needed that strong friendship. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. And your God, my God. 
Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. We need each other on Sunday mornings when the preacher seeks to bring a word of blessing from the Lord, and even more so when the waves of life come crashing back in around us. We need each other when we are feeling, feel like we are drowning. And we need each other when we are missing God working in the mundane of our stories. The good preacher knows that the most powerful work done in the week isn't the sermon. It's in the friendships of the congregation where life is happening in the waves. Where fathers who are, who are taking their sons fishing also bring along the sons who don't have a dad. Where people say, hey, you don't seem like yourself. Let's get coffee and talk. Where people are, or who are living alone are, are visited by others from the church. And on and on. The preacher knows their sermon isn't the most transformative force for people experiencing Christ and going deeper. It's just one piece in the larger puzzle of the everyday mundane life that happens throughout the week where we all need each other. God works through our lives to impact those around us. Sometimes I need that extra hope and that extra encouragement and I need you to extend a hand to me. And sometimes you may need me to help remind you of the hope that you have in Jesus. We can't be firing on all cylinders all the time. If we think our lives only have significance, if we have everything together, and we see these fantastic events happening around us like Moses or Joshua, then the book of Ruth can prove us wrong. The book of Ruth shows us the work of Christ. The culture at the time that the book was written was a culture that was very difficult for women, especially those who had no husband or sons. Naomi had no one, and at this time, no real future. Ruth had opportunities before her, but what does she do? Instead of keeping her own life and seeing Naomi lose hers, she give, gives hers up so Naomi can keep it. Ruth takes on a life that she didn't need to. It sure sounds a lot like Jesus. Jesus gave up his life so that you may live, not only in 2022, but for eternity. He died so that you can live, even in the mundane, messy, and in the crashing of the waves. Yes, we need to hold fast to one another. We need to be here for each other, just like Ruth and Naomi. But more importantly, we need to hold fast to Christ, who will never let us down, who will never leave us, who will never forsake us, who will always be there for us, even if we don't see him working. That is the most important thing that we can hear today. The work of Jesus Christ on the cross in his death and resurrection. And friends, if you don't know that work, you, you need to. You need to hear that. You need to talk to someone who knows that. You need to extend your hand. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this amazing story. There is just so much going on in it, and, and there's so much in there that just seems very everyday, kind of mundane, but it's so powerful, the work that you were doing in this story, and it shows us the work that you're doing in our own lives. Lord, I thank you for each one here this morning. Lord, I know that many of us are facing tough times, uh, that perhaps we're feeling like we don't have much purpose or meaning, but Lord, 
you have created us and we have purpose in relationship with you. So Lord, I just pray for those who maybe don't know you this morning, uh, that you would speak to them. Uh, Lord, I just pray that we continue to fight for one another, that we're there for one another, and ultimately that we, we remind one another of the work that you've done for us and that we have just this great hope in the work of the cross. Lord, we thank you for time together, and I thank you for the good work that you've done in our lives. In Christ's name, amen.